Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Let's settle up now, kids, because here we go. Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of the Rocketeer Minute, the Apollo 13 Minute, and a whole bunch of other minutes. And I'm Brian Lockhart from the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast, uh, Hamilton Shot by Shot, and Marvel Events Timeline. Brian, thanks so much for being being with me this week uh, on on this uh, this particular stretch of minutes. We're here, here on Friday, and uh, we're it's all just getting ready for the big show. So uh, th- this minute, minute one hundred five, starts with uh, Mal and Emmett all saddled up and ready to roll into town, and ends with a uh, well, kind of sunrise over the uh, uh, McMurdoch McMurdo's land, uh, ranch with a big uh, flying M over his. Uh, pile of uh, cattle soon to see a lot of action um, and somewhere in the middle of it all uh, Cobb gets disappointed by all of his henchmen uh, great great minute a lot of a lot of uh, traveling around uh, mostly mostly concerning uh, Cobb's disappointment that uh, things are, things are not going his way um, but uh, he's still still looking great being uh, he does. He does have uh, one of his great, great lines from the movie this week. I'm just, uh, I'm very happy about that. Yep, <laughs> we get another good one. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's looking around. And he finds a, uh, uh, Garth and um, I forgot the other fellow's name, um, but uh, the uh, Gar- uh, Garth and Fox. They're both dead on the floor, <laughs> and he he mentions, "I'm I'm running out of deputies." <laughs> Now, I when I watch that, I always I think of Jim O'Kane trying to, uh, you know, um, uh, produce a movies by minute show. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm running out of podcasters. Yes, please. We're at week week 17. Come on back. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I I don't I don't condone Cobb, but I understand Cobb. I, <laughs> I feel uh, I feel his pain. And uh, that that would make you my Tyree, then I guess, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about uh, that. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta you gotta grow your hair out a little more and just try to look a little more wild eyed. You gotta yeah, kind of real greasy and crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Tyree is one of my favorite bad guys in this show. I mean, it, it it is it is the kind of movie where whoever's on screen, you go, oh, that's my favorite guy. No, that's my. But Tyree manages to stay crazy through the whole movie. He's just, he's just giving you that that those big uh, bizarre eye look, like he's just looking for somebody to shoot, and uh, it it never go, never goes over well with Tyree. And I, I, it's funny when I started watching Lost, and I noticed that the uh, the pilot Lapidus with Tyree, I just about lost it. Going, oh my, I know that guy. That's the yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I remember going back and watching this movie, and I'm like, "That's Jeff Fahey." <laughs> like, yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I've I've seen him for years. I didn't ever realize it was him. He's young and skinny and crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just he real. I mean, gosh, what I would have loved to have seen the uh, audition tape with this. Now I want you to look super crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's no mistaking that he's a bad guy when you see him. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's definitely going to be a henchman of a, of a villain. You know, there's just 
Yeah, just don't get around it. Yeah, he's not going to be a farmer or card dealer or anything. Yeah, just kind of. Uh, no, he just he's always looks like he just got let out. Which you know that's how that's how we first met him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for some reason, I mean, I I always kind of think of um, Tyree as like a young Johnny Ringo from uh, Tombstone. I, I feel yeah. like they're a very similar character. Yeah, yeah, he's um he's kind of the anti Jake. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, again, you know, we had the we had the showdown between Jake and Tyree in the bar because the one thing they have in common is they both like Phoebe. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's just it's how he manages to keep up that level of crazy through the whole thing. It's uh, it, it, he's spooky is the the only word I can think of that would that would fit on it. Um, and I know there's only so many ways you can set up a a, a sheriff's office, but this sheriff's office looks exactly like uh, the sheriff's office in Blazing Saddles. I mean, it's just disturbingly <laughs> too much like the sheriff's. I, I think I think you could go in and cross cut in between uh, uh, Brian Dennehy and Cleavon Little, and it would all it would all play in the same in the same uh, uh, room. Um, but yeah, just uh, now that's a crossover I want to see: Blazing yes. Saddles and Silverado. <laughs> yeah, if they all took place in the same, I mean, can you imagine, you know, Governor Lepetamine showing up to award Cobb something? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, no, yes, there's the, the thing, the thing that has to be made someday. Um, <laughs> and this, you know, it, it's, it's all action and it's all, it's all about the characters and the plot and stuff like that. But, oh man, do I want to go out and buy a bunch of Western coats right now? I mean, Cobb's got this great, like a cloak on him. I don't even think, you know, it's like, I know he's got his arms in the sleeves, but it's like a wizard coat. He's got these gigantic arms on it and it just like hangs down below his knees. And Tyree's got this great, you know, this great look. He's got like, I think he's got like three coats on just to, you know, to beef him up because he's a scrawny guy, basically. I mean, he's built like Steve Buscemi, but he's got, <laughs> he's got like three coats on him and they're just all like, you know, huffed up and he looks, uh, he looks really kind of, uh, almost muscle bound, but it's, it's all coat. If he took it all off, he'd be down to, you know, 110 pounds. Um, but it all looks, it all looks great. I mean, it's better than, um, you know, uh, Emmett, Emmett has that Carhartt jacket. That <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's just really good. You know, it's, it's amazing what Western fashion there is out there in the middle, in the middle of, uh, nowhere, uh, New Mexico. Um, I think the fact that they filmed in in the winter time kind of helped with the way they look. I mean, I, it's usually you're, you see the, you know, it seems like they're not, I mean, yeah, the dusters work and all that, but they're like you said, they're in coats or they're, they're, they're um, bundled up for a lot of yeah, it. I it mean, just it, adds something different. I think it looks like they don't have a closet or, you know, or they don't put anything <laughs> in their backpack and it's like, I'll put on my three shirts, I'll put on my three vests and then I'll put a couple of coats over it and that'll be fine. It's Says, like I'm friends when Joey wore everything that Chandler owned all yeah. at once. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah, and and it's like and and Cobb's got on like this cravat that's just it, he looks like, you know, he looks like a like an 18th century like he should be going to the Continental Congress or something. It's it's not a it's not a scarf and it's not a tie. It, it the closest thing I could think of is it's a cravat and it's just it's bunched up underneath him like a ruff almost. Um, I do I do like his. His hat looks like the one that um, that Peyton got at the beginning in better shape. Like it's like here, this will fit you, and you know, wear, wear this kind of hat, and uh, just a just a nice looking beat up old hat that uh, you know he just 
I don't think he cares about it that much, but it's uh, at one time it was fashionable. That's that's the feeling that I get out of that uh, out of that outfit. Um, I know this is something this is something that Tierney and Megan uh, probably have covered already, but uh, I, I I just I, I hardly ever talk about fashion in movies, but this this particular one, it's like these are things I could as a as a big fat guy, I could probably get away with some of this stuff. You know, it's just they're 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 dressed like Jedi. Yeah, I always got to, uh, you know, cosplay like something like chubby versions of uh, actors. And so yeah. with Brian Dennehy, I could just be myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you just walk around with eating, eating a donut and being in being in that great that great suit. It's just there's so much of them. <laughs> um, and he's all co- he's all like those coordinated Browns, you know, is the I, I don't want to say it's a Sam Brown belt, but he's got this gigantic uh, holster on that you you rarely see in there, but it, but the belt is gigantic. It looks almost like a weight belt. Like you could, you know, put that on and start lifting 300 pounds. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, he has some pretty sizable, uh, accessories, I think. Um, the, uh, I keep wondering this, this, every time I see dead henchmen, um, it always, and it's a trope, and it, you know, it's like they, you know, Batman and Robin always beat up the henchmen when you're, you know, every every week on the on the TV show. But how do they hire henchmen, and how are they? How do they remain loyal? Because it's like, um, I mean, the, the the most loyal henchmen in terms of like a hierarchy that I can think of is the most loyal henchmen are helicopter pilots, because you see. Every time there's a bad guy, he's got a helicopter pilot flying the thing. Eventually they're shot at or they're, you know, they're dead and then the, the helicopter takes a dive. But they always seem to they always seem to work with, uh, you know, with their boss, no matter what. Um, all the guys that attack uh, James Bond uh, over the hollowed out volcano in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. That, uh, y- you know, it, it's like, why? <laughs> Why would they? Why would they get involved? How much money are they getting for this thing? Don't they have families or things like that? And that's what I keep wondering about these guys. Are they just? Uh, they've got nothing, nothing better to do. So this is this is their job for the time being. It's uh, it's uh, it's yeah, puzzling. I mean, in, in this case, probably. You know, yeah. It's they're, they're probably making a solid living doing. I think for the most part, it's not too dangerous of a job. They're just running people off. We're mostly going to be scared of them. This yeah. is the, probably one of the first times where they're. Um, you know, dealing with with people who are, are starting to fight back and can you know have the ability to. Uh, we of course we know Cobb and Tyree and Payton probably got into some stuff you know earlier, but they're like a gang, and these are just like the extras you know yeah. uh, that are around. How, so yeah, it's probably easy work. <laughs> now thinking about this film, how long do you think? I mean, he talks about this being a sweet deal. How long do you think he's had the sweet deal? I've always wondered that myself. Um, I always feel, I mean, obviously it couldn't have been too many years because Tyree's not that old of a guy, you know, right. he's supposed to be around the same age as Jake, you know, probably early twenties. So it's probably been a good couple of years um, that they've been separated. So maybe, maybe a year or two tops, you know, okay. that they're. And the other, the other question I always have with this is how did Cobb get the job? I always feel like he conned somebody <laughs> into it yeah, or like- he's just a, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's a, he's a tough guy. He's charming as we've already talked about. I can see him weaseling his way in, or if he, 
do you think McKendrick um, had anything to do with installing him? At yeah, all? I I keep wondering. I think I think McKendrick had something um, like something on the on the um, the provost marshal or the governor or somebody out there so, somewhere. He had some political pull, and uh, and he got Cobb the job as you know he started out as maybe. Um, body you know like like a bodyguard for mckendrick or some some kind of doing some doing some dirty work for mckendrick and then mckendrick mm -hmm. pulled some strings at the you know state capital if it's a capital now or if it, whatever the territorial governor is um but managed to manage to yank stuff for him like that and it was one hand washing the other for uh, uh for getting him that job and then uh mckendrick well actually mckendrick didn't do it mckendrick's dad did it the dead guy yeah did it yeah that makes sense it's it is a it is a little thing of like i'm gonna put somebody in power i mean it makes sense i mean it happens a lot a lot of movies and a lot of you know like you know mafia or not even mafia just somebody um like i think even yellowstone they they do that it's like they want people they can control right and, you know and just to look the other way sometimes it's just as simple as that and of course now that it's 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 a little bit more uh, in depth. It's hey, just run these people off and scare them off, you know that type of thing. Um, and then look the other way when McKendrick's guys are the ones doing a lot of the the rustling, I guess, of of you know trying to get this uh, homesteaders off, uh, homesteaders, I guess, off. And yeah, it's mutually beneficial. And and so, somehow he acquired the you know Midnight Star. I don't know if it's before or after this arrangement. Probably, I assume after. Since he yeah. is the sheriff, you know. it's I'm always like, and whether the sheriff is good or bad depends on the movie that you're in. I mean, I, I keep thinking of, uh, you know, like Gary Cooper in High Noon, of course, is the good guy. Um, but there are there are you know Brian Dennehy is a is a cop in uh, in Rambo. So you got you got you know like, um, I'm trying to think of some other sheriffs that you you run into. Um, Billy Jack has. Uh, has a good has a good sheriff but he his deputy I mean, he, he's got a good sheriff but um his deputy uh works for um oh gosh what's his name i can't think of it. well sheriff cole is the is the is the sheriff in uh, in billy jack but um oh man i can't think of the name of the uh the bad the bad guy that that's opposed oh, posner that that's po <laughs> Posner uh, is the guy that's running a uh, 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 horses into do or Mustangs into dog food factory. So he's got um, uh, uh, the I can't think of the deputy's name, but the redhead guy, uh, the guy from the original The Thing, Kenneth Toby, is uh, uh, I think he's in the bag with uh, with. Have you seen Billy Jack? I don't know if you've seen. I'm, I'm talking about this movie, and I don't know if you've seen it. I'm familiar with some of it. I've never actually seen much of it <laughs> yeah basic basic plot of billy jack is billy jack uh lives in he lives on an indian reservation and uh the people in town in arizona uh there's a there's a guy that's kind of like the boss of a town he's yeah he's a gang leader he's like he, he's like um uh, uh um mckendrick he's a lot like mckendrick except instead of owning a ranch what he does is he takes uh uh, he takes Mustangs, wild Mustangs off a of tribal land and sells them to a dog food company. And okay. he can do that because he's, you know, he runs the town. And then uh, Billy Jack, who is uh, this uh, special forces guy who came 
back and he's like uh he's half native and half white and he he lives in both worlds and uh, he learned how to you know kill people with uh you know karate punches and things like that so he's a super kung fu guy that was in special forces and came back from vietnam and then he takes on posner and his gang so it's you know it's a typical it's it's a western set in modern day arizona but uh the the split in it is a lot like the split that's in as i was talking yesterday about uh ride the high country there's a good guy and a bad guy and uh you don't find out how you know who's going to overcome which good guy or bad guy within the police force the sheriff's the good guy the deputy's the bad guy and uh and trying to sort all that out while billy jack is fighting uh, uh the guy that's that's turning all their all the uh tribal mustangs into dog food uh so it's it's, it's anyway somebody somebody will someday do the billy jack minute and we can we can talk about that in greater greater detail um but this is uh uh, this particular minute that we're in 105 uh i think this is showing that cobb doesn't hold all the cards anymore that, you know things are falling apart like he says he's running out of deputies he doesn't really have control over the situation he thought he was going to have control he thought that just by telling payton to stay out of it do nothing uh that was going to keep him yeah, keep everybody else at bay, and then he could just clean up the rest of the the characters that came into town, get rid of those uh, those newcomers who were spoiling McKendrick's uh, ranching plans. So it, I think, oh, well, he almost did it. He almost did it. I mean, yeah. Emmett was taken out of commission. Right. Um, you know, they arrested uh, uh, Mal. Uh, Mal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Payton's been you know put on the on the on the bench because you know right. of, by threatening Stella. And Jake, you know, is out of commission because yeah. they, they captured him or and or killed him. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll find out more soon. But yeah. And, <laughs> and, and and he roughed up the 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 family that is in charge of the land deeds, too. So, right. I mean, yeah. It, and it's and all, he almost got away with it. <laughs> and all those settlers, all those settlers that the only people protecting them were, you know, the, the four Silverado guys. So they don't have anybody protecting the settlers now that have come in the newcomers. So, you know, who knows what will happen. That's, that's another missing scene. I think what happened with, uh, Roseanne Arquette, that she, she should be somewhere in this whole mix, but we've just kind of forgotten about her whole story for the next, uh, 15, 20 minutes. It's yeah. I, I, there's, there should have, there should be a little bit more with those, um, settlers, but it's, it's really not necessary. I mean, yeah. the movie's pretty fast paced and, and, and moves well that it, you can forgive <laughs> the fact that you're like, wait a minute, there was really no closure for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, or really, you know, it's, it's, I couldn't find a place where I cared about Roseanne Arquette's character in this whole movie. It's like, okay, yeah, that's nice. You want to, you want to start a farm. That's a nice thing to do, but I didn't care about her because she didn't come along with the rest, you know, and even, even despite the fact that she lost her husband in the box Canyon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just, it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't feel anything of her loss. I don't think she felt anything of her loss. It was just kind of like, yeah, well, he was going to go off and do that. So there, there yeah. you have it. She seems to not really care that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she makes a line, like, I know what kind of man my husband was. So I, I'm guessing it wasn't really, um, it was more a, a, a marriage of convenience than of love. I, I'm guessing. Yeah, so yeah, he, he, he owned the steak here. or something. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. she said, "I've had a lot of men come to me and tell me I'm beautiful." It's like, okay, so you're, you're doing, you've, you've done this. <laughs> you're no newcomer to this, to this little activity. So, um, yeah, no, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. I wish I, I think that's the weakest. 
part you could you might even be able to drop Roseanne Arquette's character and still get away with this movie um and I think the only reason you need her there is so that her husband has someone to uh defend because other you know he would have no other reason to go on with the four of them get his money back that's about it yeah, I mean, you can still have him be the paranoid person like, oh, we're being taken advantage of and I'm the only tough one that knows, you know, what what the right I should be in charge of the wagon train. So uh, I'll go with because I'm the only one that knows what to do. So you, you can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And we would miss the fast. The, uh, probably the best line that Kevin Costner has in this movie is. She's Peyton or, you know, old man, ain't even a cold yet. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only reason I have Roseanne Arquette in here for the, at that point, just for that line. But. Yeah. Yes. The, mo- the most ineffective uh, excuse ever. I'm just going to go check the, uh, you know, the, uh, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, uh, <laughs> geez. <laughs> Again, fun, fun movie, fun lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, it is unfortunate that you really could get rid of all that and it really wouldn't matter. Yeah, no, I, we I, could I, have generic settlers, you know, because really all you need is Mal's dad. We, yeah. you know, like that, his family being affected by this as the one like face that we know, and everybody else could be just generic faceless settlers. And and again, you bring in the, you know, Emmett and Jake's um, family with the whole deed, you know, uh, part of it. And then that way it's like, all right, now there's a little personal stake because they're at risk. Yeah, you know, there, there you go. You don't, you don't need any of that. I'm fine with it being there. There's been some fun stuff because of it, and I wouldn't have mind if they could have added some more to it. But yeah, but you, and you don't, you don't need it. I mean, other, you don't, you didn't need Eb any anything else except they poor, they killed poor old Eb. That's you know, it's like all you know about Eb is Eb was good for getting killed because he had the he had his hands on the money box. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh yeah. Gosh, in the, in the words of the old disco song, you don't have to be a star baby to be in my show. It's it, you. Anybody can be. You know, every every part plays its part. You don't have to have everybody everybody having a gigantic backstory. Although nowadays, you know, this would go on for four seasons, and you'd know about every single character, everybody that that you'd have the whole Phoebe backstory and where she came from and how you know her dad was a sailor or something like that, and they moved to San Francisco and then she moved east. Or, you know, something like it would go on and on and on. But uh, yeah, it's I, I do like the fact that you feel that every character has a story in them, even if we don't delve into it. You you feel like these are characters that could be fully fleshed out if you found out a little bit more about them. Yeah, if this was modern TV, you would each character would get you know their own little thing, like you said. So I mean, there, it's there, but it's not needed to ex- be explained any further for a movie like this. Yeah, we, it's, we, it's for the better, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we would have had an entire episode that was a flashback of the dog. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. Wow. Uh, although, I mean, I can see where Roseanne Arquette's character could have been useful as maybe a reason for Emmett to come back. Yeah. If they yeah. if they bothered to <laughs> explain their love, you know, love triangle a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they made a sequel, that's why he could have come back to Silverado. He would have brought Jake with them. They would have saw their family. Oh, I'm not going to get into what everybody else is doing. We you know, while yeah. we're there, but because, but yeah, that could have been a reason why they were, they were back. Yeah. I mean, they could add an Augie story, whatever. You know, it would have, it would have worked, uh, but that's <laughs> such, such as such, such things would never happen now. So now, um, no, so you mentioned Augie real quick and I just want to drop this in there. Cause I don't think I've heard anybody mention this, but Augie is the 
grown up kid in the the first honey i shrunk the kids movie right yeah and i remember watching it and then going wait i've seen this kid before <laughs> i don't he know everybody's made that connection yet no yeah 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 he does a great job i mean i love that that one when he's you know trying to jump on uh, uh kevin costner's horse and missing it and the, um and you know while he's reading the book um but yeah it's it's very it, 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 i think the casting is is perfect i i, I I think everybody looks like they're supposed to in this thing. They, they all look like they're in the middle of a Western. And it's really hard to get a kid in this movie where they, you know, he's the only kid. Yeah, you know, if you added more kids, it would be like the Goonies. You can't, you really can't have one kid in an 80s movie. You got to have six of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it was, a, it was a pretty good balance with the, the way the cast was approached and then drop, you know, these are kind of like little way stations as we're, as we're going along through the movie. Um, I think this is my last episode that I'm on. <laughs> Although, you know, who knows, doesn't, who doesn't show up in the, in the next couple of weeks. I, I, I shouldn't have said that out knocking on wood. Right. Um, but, uh, but it's uh, yeah. And, and this is possibly, unless I call, call you back in, Brian, this could be your, your last time on, on this particular uh, show. But um, just, I was wondering some, some parting thoughts on, on Silverado and how it's affected your movie going life. Has it done, has it had any kind of an effect or, I mean, we're, where are you well, at I, with it in your i mean this is i was funny i was just talking to my wife about it today and saying again i'm like i think i'm just gonna watch it again i'm like i love this movie she goes i know you do because <laughs> i i haven't done it often but i've made her watch the movie with me uh more than once and i'm like hey we're watching this tonight you know and it's it's definitely one that it's a it was a dad movie my dad turned yeah. me on to it there's several that you know i i do heck the 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 movies by minutes that I did uh, heartbreak Ridge was another, my dad turned me on to this movie. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, have that as like, Hey, my dad's got pretty good taste and, and especially Westerns. Um, Hey, I like this. And it, it definitely, it's one of my all time favorite Westerns and I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan, yeah. but this is still like, this tops them all pretty much. It's because I like the, the balance between the, the snarky lines um, the witty dialogue, you know, the, the music, the action, uh, the, the cast it's, and then it's also got a pretty decent, you know, it's a typical story for a Western, but oh, yeah. it's, it's definitely one that, you know, I'm, i like Western. So it, it, everything is judged against Silverado at this point, but also I'm a big soundtrack guy too. And this is, <laughs> you know, like it makes, this is one of the early ones where I'm like, man, soundtracks are awesome. <laughs> yeah. I could listen to just this music. And, and remember, it's hard to remember parts of this movie from the soundtrack because I used the main theme so many times. <laughs> so it's hard to kind of pick it out like, well, this is this scene. It, no. Yeah, it's like, wait, no, that was the other one. Yeah, it's yeah, right. it's like they might add another they might add another instrument to it or play it on the on the yeah. violin instead of the French horn. But yeah, it's, it is. And it's so I mean, it, it's so much that uh, that Aaron Copeland rodeo sound or uh, and, and as you said, it's one of the most memorable soundtracks that you hear it's and in terms of westerns it's up there with like the magnificent seven or uh the yeah. big country um you you hear that you hear that music and you're thrown right into this movie it just you you can't separate the two and um i think with my my top three uh soundtracks would be and i don't in no particular order uh this one uh james horner's the rocketeer and uh john williams is 1941 
which if, <laughs> if, if you haven't heard that one, it's, uh, it's actually, and, and John Williams said that's his favorite soundtrack of all the ones he's written. So it's just, uh, the main theme of that is amazing. It's, yeah. it's got that perfect military tone. Um, but it's fun. You know, it's lighthearted. I, I love that, you know, um, that main thing i was spielberg uh it's a spielberg williams collaboration cd and oh, that's okay. on there and i can yeah. listen to that all day it's this is a cd yeah <laughs> if anybody has cds anymore i do <laughs> yeah yeah no it's 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 per- are there any marines in that i don't I, it's army and then there's well, and there's the japanese navy and then i don't know if there's any marines i don't i don't recall actually uh i think it's mostly army yeah yeah and i was just trying to figure out some way you can sneak that in, you know yeah you can it's go my in show. There. I can do what I want. Yeah, yeah I exactly. You know, it's all yeah. it's all related. The Marines you know? would be there later at the Pacific <laughs> exactly. War. You know, you can just exactly. go on from yeah. there. It's, right. <laughs> yeah, it's the first, yeah, it's the first day of you know. Chesty would have been there if he could. So it just. <laughs> but, exactly. um, yeah, no, great film. I'm, I'm looking forward to the 1941 minute someday. Somebody, somebody will do that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, this has been a, a really great movie. I'm really glad so many people. Uh, I was surprised at how many people hadn't seen this movie, but you never know when uh, when you pick a movie at the beginning. I, I was surprised at how many hosts had never seen this movie. And uh, I know the ones that had seen it, like you, are obsessed with it. So it, I, I knew there'd be a lot of great content coming out of this easy, easy going. Uh, uh, it's it's easy to talk about this movie way too long. So uh, right. which, you know, which I think we've done. So that's <laughs> but but yeah, it's um it, it's always been it's always been a favorite of mine and i remember seeing it in the movie theater and then getting the vhs and then getting the dvd and now i have the blu-ray so it's i i think i can show this movie to my grandkids someday when they're old enough but this is not you know some some expose little kids but you know when they're in around 10 12 they can they can check check in on it um but uh yeah no just uh, an enjoyable film and i'm glad I'm, I'm hoping that this uh show that we've been doing uh that if you haven't seen the movie, and I don't know why you'd listen to a, a podcast for 105 episodes and not see this movie, but if you haven't seen it, I really would hope that uh, that people would go and see this movie. And even you know, even if you have seen it, go back and watch it again because it, it really is worth worth your while. I, I always, I usually watch this movie every January. I like it. It seems like a wintertime movie, and it's perfect to you know you sit down with some hot chocolate and just plow through this film. It's just a great seeing those. Uh, my favorite scene, and this is, it, it, it's got no people in it. The, uh, the scene when they're crossing over into Turley and the horse hoofs going through the snow. That's like one of mm-hmm. my favorite little scene. It's like a Velements commercial or something. It's just this, it, it, I, I just love watching the, the horses in the snow. It's, it, it really pulls you in. You can almost smell the snow in the air. Um, but uh, that's just one of the many, many reasons I like this thing. I know. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I can blather on all, all day about this, but, um, Brian, thank you again so much for being uh, st- stepping in and doing yet another week of this this movie. Um, uh, believe me, it's my pleasure. I, it's it's been great. Um, I know we've been speaking of uh, the uh, the Marine Corps movie minute. Um, talk a little bit about that. Where uh, where do you, where do you hope to go with the Marine Corps movie minute? Because there are a lot of Marine Corps movies. Well, um, you know, obviously we I did the uh, I did a movies by minutes of Heartbreak Ridge. It's my probably favorite marine movie i'm a clint eastwood fan it definitely influenced my decision in joining the marines which is of course why i do the marine corps movie minute i was you know one one time active duty um uh, but as as we kind of grow the show 
Uh, one of the things that we're talking about doing is uh, we are going to, instead of going like minute by minute and all that, we might start hitting um, some of these mini series like the Pacific and do one episode oh, at yeah. a time, you know, yeah, as that, a season. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, the one we're talking about is a lot next, probably if I'll do that with Perry is generation kill. And that was because um, I actually know some people who knew some people that they, these characters are based on and oh, wow. or real life people. So that, I think there'll be a lot of fun to, to di dive into those. Um, we plan to do some one-off movies. Hey, you know, here's a movie we're never going to break apart, you know, minute by minute, but let's talk about, you know, um, uh, Siege of Fireblaze Gloria or something like that. We might do something like that one day. And uh, my, one of the plans that fell through, and I, I will revisit this at some point, is I wanted to review with a wrestling phantom uh, friend of mine, um, the Marine movies with John Cena and then oh. <laughs> the WWE produced ones. So, yeah. Like, yeah, the the, the accuracy just jumps right out at you. Yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of fun can be had with that, but but I am in, I'll say I'm in pre-production again uh, for Full Metal Jacket to be oh, done a minute at a time. And that that's that, that'll that probably should, the next yeah, big project. Yeah, that'll probably carry you through 2030, I would think with that. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. I, yeah. the luckily the good point is what I think I'll probably realistically do is the boot camp stuff, go on hiatus and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're done here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once, Wait, there's another part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Once, once Ermy's off the screen, you say that, that gunny's gone. I don't need to do anymore. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or do the, or do the second half is one episode and we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the rest and blah, blah, blah. This happens. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No, I, yep. wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for that forward to that whenever whenever we get around to it, I'll be happy to listen to it. But uh, but again, thanks, thanks so much uh, for folks listening to this one, the, the this the podcast that we're doing right now. Uh, you can find the Silverado podcast, of course, wherever you found this one. There's probably some more, so go in and subscribe. If you don't know where you got this from, if somebody just handed this to you in a bag or something, uh, go back and look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site. We've got uh, all the previous episodes at SilveradoMinute.com, where you can also read about the different hosts that we've had on week by week, and uh, you can read all the scripts and the cast list and all that kind of jazz up there. It's kind of like a mini IMDb for the whole movie. Um, I want to mention also that uh, on social media, if you want to talk back to us, love to hear from you at the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listener's Saloon on Facebook. Or if you want to uh, reach out at 240 characters at a time, you can talk to us on Twitter at Silverado Minute, uh, I'm sorry, Silverado MXM. Silverado MXN. MXN. MXM stands for uh, Movies by Minutes. Uh, there are, at the time we're recording this, there are over 200 Movies by Minutes podcasts available at moviesbyminutes.com. So uh, check that site out. Probably your favorite movie is out there. And if you haven't heard our Movies by Minutes podcast or some of whom have been on this show, uh, this is a good chance to do a deep dive on your favorite movie. If your favorite movie is not out there, and we only have 200, so maybe yours is left behind, Join us. We'd love to hear you. We'd love to help you start out your own podcast doing your favorite movie a minute at a time. But uh, go to moviesbyminutes.com and we've got a contact list right there. You can go to our Facebook page and uh, it'll lead you right through. We'd be happy to help you out. Uh, Ryan started that way. I started that way. And when we did this, when we started doing this, we both knew nothing about how to make podcasts. And now we're, you know, uh, subject matter experts. So we'd love to help you start your own podcast on Movies by Minutes. So join us out there, moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, next week, we'll have a new bunch of hosts, and uh, uh, 
they should have some interesting stuff going on because there's a lot of stuff coming up here as we build to the climactic conclusion of this film. So uh, please join us here next week on the Silverado Minute. Until next time, have a great weekend and yee-haw! yee-haw!